is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Welcome to this week's episode of Faith Revisited. Ben and Molly are here with a very fun topic. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Uh, we're calling this Ask Your Pastor Anything. Um, in the throes of summer and, and looking into fall, we, we kind of had a little gap here and decided, you know, there's probably people out there who've always wanted to ask their pastor questions, and there are probably pastors out there who who hopefully some answers could sort of speak to what you're feeling and maybe you've never said out loud before. Exactly. And maybe he can sympathize with what you say. So I came up with a list of questions and Ben does not know what these are ahead of time. So he's on the hot seat and I'll start out with something easy. How about that? We'll just jump right into it. Something easy. Do you really know the entire Bible? Like all the stories, all the Bible verses, it just seems so daunting. So do you actually know the whole Bible? Uh, Ish. I know the long arc of it. Okay. Um, I know certain parts of it better than other parts, but I get lost in the Old Testament with all the succession of kings and, mm-hmm. you know, the different things. Um, I get lost in, in judges you know, <laughs> with all the, all the wars and things. Um, I do better in the prophets. Mm-hmm. So, ish. So you have your strong suits, though. Like you know the Bible. Yeah, and pastors, pastors are often um, not all of us, but a lot of times we're Bible nerds, and so mm-hmm. certain ones of us will have certain sections we really love, and that's what we really cool. resonated with in seminary. And yeah. a lot of it has to do with who teaches you the Bible. So if your Old Testament or New Testament professor had a specialty in a certain section, mm-hmm. they're going to teach that better than the others. So, um, for example, the letters of Paul, I can preach those all day long because my New Testament professor was a, the, uh, the fancy term, he's a Pauline scholar. Whoa. And so he That's really cool. taught Paul well. Huh. Um, and then I've just grown up, like most Methodist pastors, you know, we have the lectionary, but let's be honest, most of us just preach the Gospels <laughs> year round. So I, I grew up here in the, the Gospels, you know, mm-hmm. and this, I know those pretty well too. Interesting. Yeah. And so your like history classes in seminary were on Bible stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was reading and interpreting the Bible and and scholars publish in certain specialty areas. So Uh you're, you're, they're scholars. So their area could be the letters of Paul, where they're going to write papers on what does Paul say about this, that, and the other, and, you know, stuff like that. And, and so they're all creating this new area, this new territory of discovery of biblical interpretation. So your teacher shapes how you understand and read the Bible. And so your specialty right now, you would say you're strongest in the letters of Paul. I'm probably strongest in the gospels just because I've known that my whole life, but I feel strong in the letters of Paul. Um, 
I feel stronger in the prophets. I'm less strong with the Old Testament history sections. Yeah. So that's maybe cool. I didn't listen as well in Old Testament class. Well, I'm sure the names got kind of confusing too. Yeah. Pronunciations. Nice. Okay. Do you prefer to officiate weddings or funerals? You know, that's a great question. Um, I have officiated more weddings than funerals. Knock on, Knock wood. on wood. Yeah. And part of that is I was an associate for four years at a church <clears throat> with a beautiful center aisle, beautiful sanctuary. So mm-hmm. it served as kind of a destination church. And my senior pastor had, he's like, I've done enough weddings. I'm, I'm done. I, if I don't know the couple, I'm not doing them. And our other associate kind of felt the same way. Well, I was young, needed experience. Yeah. And I had a new baby. And so my senior pastor was like, dude, it's diaper money. Just go do these destination yeah. weddings. So I did more weddings than funerals because also when you're an associate, they don't, you don't get to do many funerals because they want the senior pastor. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've done more weddings. They're both, they're both rewarding in their own ways. Uh-huh. And they're both a pain in the butt in their own ways. Yeah. Can I tell you the, the good and bad of both? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm giving you kind of a both hand answer. Okay. Okay. So, I know. Yeah. And I really wanted one or the other, but here yeah. you go. I love a wedding. I love the celebration. It is so much fun to be with a couple as they sort of launch this beginning of a journey. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I always say somewhere in the homily that, that your wedding's not the end because we tend to treat the planning as the end mm-hmm. of it. It's the beginning. So congratulations. Yeah. Um, weddings are more fun when you know the couple mm-hmm. um, because then it really becomes special. Um, I still have a couple that we were dear friends with that, that she did this big like social media, like countdown to whatever their hashtag was. Mm-hmm. And I used that in the wedding to say, you need to start counting up. And oh. so every year in her anniversary, cool. she counts up the years because she remembers that from her wedding that nice. I said, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, funerals are wonderful because there's something deeply sacred about mm-hmm. celebrating the life of a saint. Yeah. And um, there are beautiful funerals that, you know, the 90 year old woman who lived mm-hmm. a full life, I, there's nothing but happiness for me, even though it's mm-hmm. sad to lose someone. Yeah. Because that's just the way to mark the end of life. And it's, it's beautiful. There are painful funerals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've buried a three month old baby. Mm. And, and, and that is, it, I mean, you are right there in the midst of, you don't know what to say. Yeah. So, I mean, funerals kind of run the gamut. Weddings can be a pain in the butt because uh, families can be a pain in the butt. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Funerals can be a pain in the butt because guess what? Families can be Mm -hmm. a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it has to do with the families that you're working with on both. Um, Mm -hmm. So you've done more weddings, but you really enjoy the specialness of a funeral. Yeah, I enjoy it for different reasons. I love a good celebration. I I put it this way. (laughs) 30 plus years into ministry, I will probably be burnt out on weddings. And I'll probably say I'm only doing weddings for people I know. Yeah. No destination always. Cause weddings will take up all weekend. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We rehearsal in the ceremony. Yep. Um, I, I will not burn out on funerals. Okay. What do pastors talk about when they get together? Uh, we bitch about our churches. <laughs> do I just cut <laughs> off that word? You don't have to edit that out. I'm being honest. I'm being real. Does that make us an explicit podcast episode? I hope not. I don't think so. Um, 
And what do we talk about when we get together? We 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 talk I'm about thinking our thinking more the word gossiping instead of the B word, but no, we complain. <laughs> we complain. We, we bitch. We bitch and gripe. No, it it I, I tell you there's a couple things that we talk about. Um it could be that 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 we all sort of have pity parties with each other and yeah. we're all stressed and we're all, you know, we, then we just start comparing battle wounds and yeah. No complaining about church people. Or it could be, and this is more so in the meeting, that the, the griping happens behind the scenes. In a meeting, yeah. we tend to, you know, have big egos and a lot of hot air coming out. Mm-hmm. And so then we're all jockeying to see who's doing the best job. My yeah, church, of course. Blah, blah, blah. The competition, yeah. The very best conversations that pastors have with each other have little to nothing to do with church. Nice. It's when we talk about our families and sports okay. and cooking steaks and stuff like that. <laughs> the important things. Yeah. Yeah. The real life. Okay. So these ones you're going to have to keep concise. Okay. What is the best part about being a pastor? The people being with people, being with people throughout all the different stages of life. It's, it's just amazing. That's awesome. What's the worst part about being a pastor? Um, it's hard to be with people through all the stages of life. emotionally. <laughs> You can, you can go from a highest high with one family to the lowest low with another family in the mm-hmm. course of a week, and that's emotionally draining. Honestly, the worst thing about being a pastor is probably at the end of the day, no matter how much you love your people and you're with them, you still feel lonely. Mm. There's a loneliness that comes so because with Because you're not a part of them. Yeah. Yeah. You're the leader exactly. of them. Yeah. yeah, you're the leader, you're set apart. And we all talk about being ordained means being set apart. And it's true, but being set apart comes with a cost. Yeah. And that cost is, you know, um, and I probably, I think I do it better than most that I can build real friendships with church members. Yeah. But still at the end of the day, you're their pastor. Mm-hmm. They're hopefully, you're building something that they're going to be together in 30 years, even if you're gone. So yeah. There's a loneliness that comes with it. Yeah, we've had a conversation about that recently. You said something about, you know, as your pastor, this. And I was like, yeah, but we're also friends. So that X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, I could see how that is hard to separate. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully you build the trust that church members allow you to take off the mask of being a pastor from time yeah. to time, which, which you do and, and our friends here at church do. Yeah. And, I, and that's why I love you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still like this, there's even a very little bit of guardedness that you carry and and it makes you feel lonely. Absolutely. What's your biggest fear being a pastor? (sighs) That's a really good one because I think pastors have more fears than we want to let on. Like what kinds of? Oh, we fear, we fear all kinds. We fear not being loved. We fear not being accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, we fear that, that you think that, that I'll tell you one fear that pa- every pastor has, they don't want to admit. We fear that we stand up and, and do our best to tell you profound, inspiring, you know, God thing. Yeah. And we fear that you're going to see through us and see, see how full of crap we are. Ooh. <laughs> because, because we say these yeah. things, honestly, not because we're certain of them. We, we, and in my better preaching moments, I say things I'm not entirely sure sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I want to say them out loud so that together we can all sort of be inspired by it. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think we fear not having meaningful relationships. I've been lucky to mm-hmm. build those in my churches. Yeah. Um, especially my church now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, there's, there's lots of little fears. I mean, we just, there are all kinds of, 
pastors yeah. are afraid of a lot yeah, of things. We're afraid of, um, I, it took me a few years to, to not go to bed at night, afraid of getting a two o'clock phone call. Oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's a trend or not, but I don't think people call you at two o'clock in the morning anymore. You'll get the call at like six. Hey, you know, so-and-so passed away in the night. Can you come over to the house? Back in the old days though, I mean, people, pastors would get calls and have to put a suit on at 2 a.m. and go to the house. Wow. I forgot about that. I mean, because I just, I personally, in so long, we went through a lot of health things with my mom Mm -hmm. and a pastor was, you know, always on call. I just, I haven't thought about that recently because I haven't, you know, there hasn't been a situation where I'm like, get the pastor on the phone. Yeah. And and when I was on a staff where there was three of us, three pastors, you know, Uh you always had the luxury of saying you could lean on other people. Yeah. When I got out on my own and I was the only pastor, it's like, oh crap. Where, where's the other pastors on staff and yeah. me? So yeah, you, you, you have, you have so that. So that could be some like trauma, you know, yeah. middle of the night. Yeah. What start yeah. jumping to action. Someone needs you. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Um, yeah, but there's a lot, there's lots of little fears. I think if, if I were to sum up my answer, I would say pastors are afraid of a lot of things and we have a difficult time talking about them. Mm, that's good. Also business owners do too, but mm-hmm. yeah, cause that's kind of what we've talked about. Pastors and business owners are very, very the same thing. Yeah. What would you tell a younger ministry, Ben, who's just starting out? Mm, that's a great question. I know I make good questions. Yeah. Younger <laughs> ministry, Ben, just starting out. Is he starting out on a staff or is he starting out sort of as a solo pastor? I don't know. You figure out which one you want to talk to, which Ben. Younger ministry, Ben, starting out as a solo pastor. Yeah, there we um, go. Take your time. You don't have to accomplish it all in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, trust that when you don't see results, good work is still being done. And That's that, good to say in hindsight, because I know you, and you yeah. want results immediately. So you telling this to younger Ben, younger Ben's definitely not listening to these lessons. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 and really probably the biggest thing is um, work hard, which I mean, I do work hard, but trust God. Mm. You put in the work, but trust that God will make the results happen. By the way, a side note to that is I figured out that a lot of my work, you can't see those immediate results. And so things like vacuuming and washing dishes have become <laughs> loves of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Because you see immediate it's done. results. Yeah. It's wonderful to see it yeah. happen because so much of what we do, you can't see it immediately. But yeah, I would tell younger Ben, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to conquer the world on your first day. Yeah, I should be telling you that today <laughs> as well. It seems like lessons you can always learn from yourself. At least once a week, I have to tell yeah. myself Okay, so this one's a little bit, I'm going to go a little deeper here. Um, do you struggle with some lessons in the Bible? And how do you rectify the ones you don't agree with? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, like, What are some examples? What are some things you really struggle with? Well, the Old Testament, you know, God, God ordaining, killing people, slaughtering mm-hmm. people. You know, I mean, how do we how do we rectify that? Um, you know, and it's and one of the ways I had a seminary professor kind of help me with this, because a lot of people do this New Testament, Old Testament dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the Old Testament, God was so angry and mean. And then the New Testament, God is Jesus and he's warm and yeah. fuzzy. But she was like, that's really not true at all, because 
there's a lot of redemption in the Old Testament. That the, mm-hmm. the whole notion of resurrection culminating in Jesus, God had been at that work in the Old Testament too, in mm-hmm. different ways. But the Old Testament covers 12, 15, 1800, 2000 years of yeah. history. Mm-hmm. The New Testament covers about 70. Yeah. And then she said, Imagine if we were to write the first 1800 years of Christian history, all the wars, yeah. all the killings, all the slaughterings in the name of God. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of helped me say the Bible is a place where God inspires people to do their very best to write what life with God is about. Mm-hmm. And people still get it wrong sometimes. Mm. Um, so I, I've always struggled with that, but that's kind of how I've come to terms with it to contextualize it. Yeah. How is this, how do I also get it wrong this way? Mm-hmm. And then how could, how could we grow in spite of it. Yeah. I like that. Very nice. Are you naturally evangelical or do you have to force yourself into it? I'm naturally bit? evangelical. You are. I Just, am. That was what you were born with? Yeah. Are yeah, you because trying I, to do that more better? Uh, no, no. Cause what's funny is I, I, you know, like in high school, you take like these tests to say what kind of vocation you should oh, get. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Would you know what, what for, most of my life, what's been among the highest scores on tests like that? What, like teaching or something? Sales. Sales, yeah. I can sell you Interesting. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love the idea of of convincing you. I love the idea of inspiring you. I love saying that what I have is amazing and you should have it too. Yeah. Um, And so that, I think, gives me a bend towards being evangelical. But but from a theological standpoint, because sometimes people are surprised. They're like, wait a minute, you're more progressive and inclusive and you claim to be an evangelical. We don't, you know, there's a difference between evangelical with a big E and evangelical with a little E. Big E is this political group that, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, largely made up of narrow minded bigots. (laughs) Little E evangelical is the notion that says, I am inclusive because that is the, the mandate of the gospel. Mm. That Christ's mm-hmm. love is available for all. So therefore, we, we go and spread the love of God and, and we, we offer the love of Christ to all people. Not because it's a political thing or a social mandate, but, but, but because it is what the gospel is about. Mm-hmm. And so being evangelical and inclusive go hand in hand for me. That's awesome. What prayer have you been praying the longest? Ooh, that's a really good question. I'm flipping my hair right here. You just, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if we're being technical, I probably prayed the Lord's Prayer the longest since <laughs> I learned it as a kid. Yeah. Um, True. <laughs> you know, that's a really great question. Um, what prayer do I probably pray the most often? Mm-hmm. Or something you pray about that you've been praying for? Very, yeah. very. I, I pray for, for wisdom, and the older I get, the more I do it. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything in life, I want to be wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pray that every, everything I do helps me gain wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I often pray Thomas Merton's prayer that um, uh, of, uh, he's got this great prayer I have over my desk. It's much longer, but, but basically um, the desire to please you, oh God, pleases you. And I pray that often because um, some days you don't get it right, but I wanted to. And I mm-hmm. think there's grace in saying because you wanted to, even when you 
fell short. It's okay. Um, I pray, help me Lord a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I think that's something that, that helps me remember that it's not all about me and my abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, and I pray, I, I probably often in ministry, especially at this church, I pray to be a church. I pray for the church and I pray that we could be a church that would uniquely embody God's love because I, I think churches get a bad rap because they kind of follow the same template mm-hmm. and that template's just tired and worn out. And yeah, I think it's not people, working anymore. Yeah. And I don't think people lack hunger for God and I don't mm-hmm. think people lack hunger for faith. They just lack hunger. I'm mean, excuse me. They just hunger for a place that <coughs> uniquely offer it. And so I pray that we can be a church to do that. Yeah. And then this is, I didn't write this one down, but are you praying more after our interview with Adam Hamilton? Yes. You are? Yes. I figured. Yes. And I I mean, I've cited that interview as very eye opening. And then what got me was it it was Adam. It was Ken Carter. uh, George Acevedo did the Mm -hmm. same thing to me. You know, I'm asking these guys for life hacks. Like, what's your routine? What can pray, pray, pray. And all of them were like routine, buddy, pray more. Yeah. Just pray more. I'm like, oh crap. Okay. Really need to start doing that. All these guys, I'm thinking they're gonna tell me what time of the morning is the magic time to wake up to conquer yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, just pray. Yeah, I, I write in my journal every day, like Adam had said, mm-hmm. some version of Lord, I give you everything that I am mm-hmm. and everything that I have. Use me as you see fit today. That's something along those lines I write in my journal every single morning. That's awesome. And the last question for this podcast episode i'm taking a play out of your book ben if you're if not in ministry what would be your profession you Mm. get to choose not a high school standardized test okay so that is is i'll go with my gut answer my gut answer is i would be a uh highly published author i'd be a full-time writer Mm. nice I, I love to write, um, and I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what I would write. I would just I would be able to, to sustain a full-time job writing. Wow. I, I want to do different things. I want to own businesses. I yeah. want to, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, I think that I think I would want to be a full-time writer, which is weird because I'm such an extrovert. I think I'd go crazy <laughs> Yeah. with the quiet life, but I actually yeah. kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, that wraps up my questions for Ask Your Pastor Anything. I hope I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Did you enjoy this, Ben? I did. I, you know, I told, I told we talked off air, and I, I you know I think we could do versions of this. You know, yeah. every so often. And if you like it, uh, leave us a comment. Mm-hmm. If you have a question you'd like to leave hear, leave us asked, a question. Yeah, leave us a question, and we'll probably come back to this in a few weeks. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a fun little uh, stopgap you know, episode that we can drop in and, and just kind of be real with you. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great. Well, thanks so much for tuning in this week on the Faith Revisited podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And yeah, show notes at faithrevisitedpodcast.com. Although I'll probably just list these questions for you to ask your own pastor these. Um, What a fun conversation and a way to connect with your own pastor. That might be a great idea. Some homework That's a great for idea. our listeners. Um, have this conversation with your pastor. Or ask them a couple questions um, just to get them feeling more connected, right? We're all learning something today. Yeah, help your pastor um, open up and trust me, they really want to. They just need the, they, they need the permission to do they it. Need a so, yeah, that's nudge. a great idea. 
Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We hope you all have a wonderful day and we'll be back sharing shortly. See you soon.